I'm so good, Aurelia. How are you? I'm good. You know, just enjoying my Sunday after a really nice long weekend. It was... Yeah, it actually was so nice. Normally, we talked about this on the last episode, but normally holidays can be like so stressful. And this was like not stressful at all. Yeah, I did like nothing. <laughs> I was going to say I did so little. <laughs> um, I I had like a big Zoom with my extended family and my brother's daughter and two of my cousin's daughter daughters were all they're all like one and a half two in that range and they were like talking to each other over zoom it was pretty cute um that's so yeah nice. yeah it was fun um but yeah pr- very low-key i ate a lot of leftovers that was really my big activity <laughs> we just had thanksgiving leftovers uh tonight for dinner just heated it up in the old microwave i know i yum yum i Shout out Jim and Linda for providing that. <laughs> Those are my parents. What's up, Jim and Linda? Um, I <laughs> I love uh, leftovers. That's like the best part of Thanksgiving. I think that's like why you do it, right? It's for the leftovers. Oh, yeah. Oh, we said on the last episode that we were going to put that video up of... Um, oh, me talking about stuffing? talking about stuffing. And we haven't done that yet, so we should definitely do that this week. <laughs> okay, I will do it. The people I may or may not have forgotten it. conveniently. Okay. Well, that's I... okay. It was a holiday. <laughs> I'll put yeah. it up. T- I'll um, put it up tomorrow on Monday. Perfect. Uh, update. I know everyone was wondering: Did I run the five k <laughs> this year? And the answer is: I did a brisk mile and a half walk. Uh, with my mom <laughs> and my dog. So no. So, yeah, no. <laughs> um, did you? Everybody else do okay. it? Did your brother and sister do it? My brother, my sister, and my dad all ran three miles, and so that's you know what I love that. For yeah, them. For I them. love that for them too. That's that's very much my thing. Like, do you? All the time, but don't ask other people to do you. (laughs) Unless that's something you're interested in. Right. Well, that's like a little different. But you know what I mean? Like, I think think often on holidays, especially, like, we're much more likely to, like, concede (laughs) as to what we really Mm -hmm. want. (laughs) But, like, if you're just honest with each other, then you can go take the dog for a walk and everyone else can, you know... Hit that cardio hard. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, oh, I did do some drunk shopping, actually. Um, uh, on <laughs> Like online? Yeah, online. I mean, okay. I will say, though, like pre-pandemic when I lived in Broad Ripple in Indy, mm-hmm. my uh, friend Lindsay and I, and we would meet up with other people, too, but we would, like, go – do some day drinking and then walk to the broader pool vintage and do like drunk shopping in person. And that is like pretty fun. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) But I haven't done that kind of drunk shopping in a long time. Now it's like exclusively online. Actually what I usually end up doing is like, I follow a couple of like vintage stores on Instagram 
mm-hmm. and they'll do like these Instagram story like sales and I'll oh. and I'll drunk shop. Like I bought a sweater with a polar bear on it. Um when I was That's drunk. Cute. Yeah, it is cute. It's nice. Um I also bought fifty dollars worth of um like dried fruit and nuts from nuts.com a couple years ago. Um, it seemed oh like God. a really good deal at the time. Um, sponsor me, nuts.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i like already so susceptible to Instagram like ads and sales and like influencer stuff. Like I'm already buying it. So really, if I'm like drunk when it's happening, then there's there's no stopping me. And then I just have like personalized shampoo that I don't need uh, I just got vitamins for myself that I pro- I don't know do we think do you do you think the vitamins work or do vitamins not work is it like a scam no I don't think it's a scam I think they do work like I think it's just about being consistent with them and probably some of them you don't need to take but like especially I think if you're like vegetarian or vegan or have like specific diet restrictions like vitamins are really important because you know you're getting like supplement "Mm -hmm." so definitely I think they're definitely like good in that way I don't know that like all of the like Instagram vitamins are like you know yeah I straight up I bought vitamins from two different places now both of which were targeted ads for me on um, Instagram and Facebook and on other podcasts. That's actually, that's what really has been getting me lately is podcast ads um, because I listen to these podcasts and I'm like, they're my friends and they're recommending this thing to me and I need it now, Um, which is not like financially sound decision-making. But anyway, so now I have two different sets of vitamins which I don't know that they should go together but anyway I'm starting them tomorrow and so a total every day I will be taking uh seven different vitamins also okay I am really curious to know like why you're getting targeted vitamin ads (laughs) because I don't think I've ever gotten uh targeted ads for vitamins (laughs) It's because here's here's why. It's because you get one. They just throw it out there to like see oh, if it, just like see if they'll catch you. And then the I'm waters. the kind of person that yeah, anytime something's like this is personalized, just take our quiz. Just take our 5-minute quiz oh, to find out what girl. vitamins you you're need in your life. Quiz girl. So, oh yeah. And <laughs> I mean for, for the vitamins that I just got, I literally took this quiz like four different times before I actually like talked myself into getting the vitamins. Because that's the other thing is like I'll be hooked right away, but then I'll spend a month arguing with myself going back and forth over like if I should do this and if I should get it. And then ultimately I, I do I do get it. And then like two months later, I decide it wasn't Did worth it. Did you answer that's... the quiz the same way each time you took it? Do you think like what if Um, the vitamins the first time you took the quiz are different from the vitamins the last time you took the quiz? I'm just saying. um, Yes, there were some differences because sometimes 
I chose like different priorities. Mm. Um, and like one time they were like, here, you should have cranberry because you said you are um, not like concerned, but just like you care about your urinary tract. So you should have cranberry. And then the next time I didn't mark that and they did not suggest cranberry because like I'm not getting UTIs all the time. So I really don't think that I need I need it. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure that I cranberries are not the best thing for UTIs. I think there's like something else that you're supposed to do now. In Oh yeah, I heard that cranberry juice is like a myth. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> I cranberry mean, juice itself cranberry... Is it's not yeah, a myth. Don't... But um fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think people listening are going to be like, oh, my God, Katie and Aurelia said cranberry juice is a figment of our imagination. But I've seen it at my <sighs> store. Mind exploded. I know. Anyways. Uh... Yes. Um, I think we'll have to um, dig into that for our, uh, a future episode. Um, we can do some yeah. myth busting. Um, we should really get like a scientist on here i don't know any but yeah we could probably find one also piggybacking on that like semi shameless plug this is like an actual shameless plug it's not a plug i don't know what you would call it i'm gonna say it and then you tell me what you think if you or somebody that you know if you think that they or you would be a great guest for our podcast hit us up uh, we are booking for 2021, and we'd love to talk to you. Any uh, woman or anyone identifying as a woman or non-binary, we're interested in learning about your career. So, yes, would you call it a plug? An an I think advertisement? It's a I think it's a it's a kind <laughs> request. So, do it. Thank you. Um, I said thank you at the end because you said it was kind, so I felt like yeah, that felt yeah. right, you know. Um, okay, before we uh, get into our interview, we have a very special lady of the week. I'm yes, really interested in this, so take it away, Katie. Okay, so our lady of the week this week is Sarah Fuller, and uh, you may have heard her name because... She was on TV this weekend playing in the uh, Mizzou-Vanderbilt game. So she is a she's in college at Vanderbilt, and she's a soccer player. And um, I guess what happened, and I should probably have done, like, a bit more research prior to us starting the episode, but um, Say la vie. I guess some of the... Some of the Vanderbilt football team was out due to COVID reasons. And so they needed a someone to fill in as a kicker on the team. But here's the problem. It was over Thanksgiving weekend. So like most students aren't there. And they so they kind of had to like just pick from the student athletes that were still on campus. And so she ended up being the best choice. I mean, she plays soccer and usually usually kickers on football teams like are former soccer players because yeah. that's you're just kicking uh-huh. the ball um anyway so she stepped in and uh played in the game which makes her the first woman to ever play in a power five college football game and i don't really know what a power five football game is 
but it's a, a big deal. So um, that's pretty cool. And I mean, obviously, like, you know, it's that's great. You know, she's like breaking barriers, whatever. The um, the Vanderbilt coach, when kind of asked about that, he was like, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's just that like she was like, we're not really trying to make a statement. She just was like the best person to do it. And so that's just like what we did. And like she's been a real you know, good sport about it. Cause obviously it's like a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like really stepped up and, uh, they lost, but she did a good job. She did what she was uh, supposed to do. So, so good job, Sarah Fuller. Way is to go. she like going to be on the football team now, or it was just like a one-time thing? I think it's, it's just like, a. I mean, she's, a, she plays on the soccer team. Sure. So, Sure. I think she will continue to do that, but yeah, she just kind of step, stepped in. Yeah, I did. So <laughs> I did tweet about it because so what she did was um, usually when you see like a kicker in a football game and they like are, I don't know, kicking the ball to like start the game or not start the game, but whatever. You're like, you want them to kick it really far because mm-hmm. that looks good. And so she didn't. And at first you're like, wait, what does that mean? She like sucks. But apparently she did how she kicked it is on purpose. And it's called a squib kick. And it's like you quick it, you kick it like low towards the ground and it makes something then more difficult. I don't really know. Um, but that's based on like my Google search anyway. So then I tweeted cause a lot of people were like, a lot of guys were tweeting about that. Like, well, actually what she did was on purpose and it's good. So people were saying she's like defending her. So, which is, you know, great. But (laughs) so then I tweeted, Sarah Fuller's performance leading to lots and lots of mansplaining of a squib kick feels like we missed the point. Um, (laughs) And then this guy that I don't know at all doesn't even follow me. So like, but then (laughs) he responded to my tweet Job should go to the most qualified. Based on that kick, I'd be stunned if she is the best healthy kicker on that campus, man or woman. Oh, man. <laughs> Katie, are you getting trolled on Twitter now? I think that means you've, like, officially made it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I responded and I was like, LOL, if you think any part of my tweet was asking for your opinion. And then he said something else and I pretty much stopped responding. But... Anyway, also, the point is, um, my Twitter account, if you would like to follow me, is <laughs> at hello from Katie. That is, again, at hello from Katie. Um, I might still have a Twitter, but I haven't tweeted in, I, I don't know, since I was 20, 11 years, probably. It's been a long time. Well, bring it back. I don't No, I don't think so. It's not for me. Um, the one thing that I was going to say about the tweet thing though is that did was not your like first thought not like oh squib like that's from harry potter <laughs> right when you're a oh squib that's like the first thing that i thought of. <laughs> wow i'm like so embarrassed that i didn't yeah think of that it's oh. like when you're born into a magical family but you're not magical right like filch he's a yeah. squib yeah 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 you're a squib. So foot, good call. Yeah, football and Harry Potter. 
just really seamlessly blending together there. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, great pick for Lady of the Week. Uh, and speaking of great ladies, our guest for this week, we had a great time talking to her. I learned, I really learned a lot. Um, we interviewed Emily Hyde of Studio V. She's a Brazilian waxing specialist uh, in Indianapolis. Um, and we hope you enjoy our interview as much as we did. a very loud dog in the background though so I apologize if anyone hears him no worries my dog uh is usually pretty quiet now but he was home alone for the longest amount of time ever today nine hours oh so he, he made it hey okay. yeah no accidents he was all right none that I found so <laughs> fingers crossed what mama doesn't know <laughs> exactly we'll see uh, Emily, hi, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. We're really excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So we have Emily Hyde with us, the owner of Studio V, and uh, we'll talk a lot about that today. But before we get to that, just to start things off, uh, we have a question that we ask everyone. And that question is, Emily, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, goodness. That's a good question because uh, I really don't remember ever declaring that I wanted to be anything when I grew up. I mean, it'd be great if I could say, oh, I wanted to be a Brazilian specialist and that's what I am. I think that might be, uh, I don't know, alarming for a child. I was going to say, I think that I'm glad that that wasn't right. something on my radar because then who knows where I would be now. But I really, I don't remember ever saying anything growing up that I ever wanted to be. It wasn't until I was in high school that I started thinking, oh yeah, I should probably start thinking beyond like school. Yeah, but, that's sure. going to happen pretty soon. We got to, got to make yeah. a plan. <laughs> I think the only thing that I could ever remember as a child was like, maybe when I was four years old, I think I said I wanted to be a frog. <laughs> <laughs> We see how that turned out. <laughs> yeah, uh, for everyone who can't see Emily right now, I just want to confirm for you, she is not a frog, uh, not, not to my eyes at least, so. I missed that dream by a long shot, unfortunately. But it sounds like you ended up in a, a pretty cool career. So tell us, um, like, what what's your day-to-day? -day? Like, what does a Brazilian specialist do? Or, um, what's your job like? So about two years ago, I went independent and I opened my own business um, and my focus was Brazilians. So it's kind of, it varies day by day, I would say. Um, the cool thing about it is that no two days are ever the same. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me going into a job is that I need a lot of variety. I need a lot of stimulation. So I try to make as much time as possible for, you know, actually focusing on the administrative side of it, as well as the like in-person side of it. Um, so that's a challenging part of, 
you know, having your own business is it's not just dealing with clients face to face, which is the part that I love about it. Um, I get to have amazing conversations with amazing women and I get to know a lot of different people. But then there's also the side of it is like, oh, you have to do the accounting and you have to do the marketing and you have to, you know, reach out to new people and that kind of thing. So it's definitely different every day. And I'm still kind of figuring it out as I go to some extent. <laughs> sure, of course. So I know you, um, you know, you opened up your own business, but didn't know how you um, got into doing Brazilians. Like what kind of training um, do you have or would someone need to get if they were interested in this career path? So I really kind of fell into it just oddly, um, which makes perfect sense for the trajectory of my life. That's kind of how everything's been. <laughs> but I went to the um, aesthetics program and I was 29 at the time and had no idea what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I was still working in restaurants at that point. So I was talking to a coworker and she suggested trying the aesthetics program because she said there was a lot of different things that you could do with it that, um, you know, you had a lot of different options with an aesthetics license and that was really appealing to me that, okay, if I get bored doing one thing, I can maybe try another thing with it. So I kind of enrolled on a whim and just hoped that it would all kind of figure itself out and that something would jump out to me. So when I was in the program, waxing was the thing that really kind of got my attention and got my interest the most. So I decided, okay, when I graduate from the program, I'm going to focus on waxing and I'm going to try and find a job that just does waxing. And there was a local company that I worked for for two years, just doing waxing. And as it turned out, a huge part of their business was Brazilians. So I went into it having never done a Brazilian before. It wasn't something that we had to learn in school. Um, with the aesthetics program, you have to have so many hours of, uh, hands-on practice and you know you do a leg wax you do an arm wax you do a back wax whatever but Brazilians were never one of them so I didn't know how it was going to go when I got this job I was like well we'll take a shot and see if this works for me or not and after doing a couple Brazilian waxing waxes it was basically like the same as doing an arm wax you know it's just is another part of part of the body and there's no shame with it so I think what uh I realized quickly was that the big part of it was being able to make women feel comfortable. And, you know, it's a super vulnerable position that they put themselves in. So making a woman feel comfortable and like she can trust you was the thing that I realized, oh, I have that ability to do that. So I realized too that, you know, with Brazilian waxing, women open up like crazy. They tell you like the most crazy details of their lives. And I loved it. I was like, this is so cool that, you know, these women trust me with this information and that I can talk them through some of the most like challenging and difficult things. So anyway, so back to your question, I'm getting sidetracked, but um, to actually be qualified to do Brazilian waxing, it's really just an aesthetics license. So <laughs> that was a long answer for your question. <laughs> no, that's great. We always love more detail. Um, so you said that after you after you got your license, then you kind of worked somewhere for a couple of years before going into business for yourself. 
what would you say are maybe like the pros and cons, I guess, um, for like working in a salon versus kind of doing your own thing? Because I imagine there's, you know, advantages and maybe some challenges for each of those scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, to be honest, had never really considered going into business for myself until I did it. So I think there's a lot of people that say that they felt like owning their own business was their calling or whatever. That was definitely not the case for me, but uh, I'm still kind of finding out those pros and cons as I go. And the pros to working for somebody else is that you get to go home at the end of the day and check out from work and you know, you clock in, you clock out and that's it. And you get to do your job and it's straightforward. What's to be expected. Um, the thing with owning your own business is that while you don't have a boss anymore, your clients are now your boss and it comes with a lot heavier weight when your name is attached to a business. So when somebody has negative feedback, it doesn't feel like they're just giving feedback to a business that I work for anymore. It's they're giving personal feedback to me and something that I take very personally and passionately. So, uh, you know, with working for somebody else, they're the ones that are responsible for finding you clients and they're the ones that are responsible for making sure that you get paid. And now, it's my responsibility. And if I'm not doing the work to find clients, then I'm also not making money. And if I'm not doing the work to retain those clients, I'm not seeing money coming in. So it's a whole new level of discipline that I'm learning <laughs> and trying to improve every day. So how, how do you like find clients? Because when I think about like, I don't know, maybe like hair stylist, I think a lot of it is word of mouth, but I mm -hmm. wonder if it's different for someone who specializes in Brazilians, because I don't know if like people talk about that as much. So I don't yeah, know if that's like an added challenge. Yeah. It's, it's way more difficult than what I thought going into it. I thought, you know, if every one of my existing clients refers one person, I'll be in a good position, but I realized after several months after opening my doors that that wasn't happening. And so I was actually talking to one of my clients that I felt comfortable with one day. And I said, you know, I really thought referrals would be enough to run my business. And I'm curious as to why I'm not getting more of them. And she said, you know, in all fairness, I don't go around talking about who does my Brazilian wax. <laughs> she said, it's a pretty taboo subject to talk about and it doesn't come up in everyday conversation. And there's not a lot of women that feel comfortable to ask like, Hey, who does your Brazilian waxing? So I thought, well, yeah, that's totally legitimate. I mean, I talk about it every day because I do it every day and I'm comfortable talking about it, but a lot of women aren't. So getting clients has definitely been a tricky, tricky thing. And I understand why it's so difficult, but, uh, for, you know, even these large corporations to get business, but really it's word of mouth is probably the biggest thing with hairstylists. You can put, compared it to that 
with hairstylists, they have at least a visual image that they can post as their marketing. But you mean you can post your before, before and after? Are you sure? <laughs> you know, there are some people that do it. I will never. Oh, wow. I will never lower myself to that. Um, no, I shouldn't even say lower myself, but it's just not something that I would be comfortable asking. It's not your client. brand. Sure. No. Sure. So it's really tricky. It's, I've tried to focus more on the women empowerment side of it and focusing on the effects that a Brazilian has on a woman's confidence and kind of promoting that instead of the actual product itself, because absolutely it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, you brought up some good points. Like it is so interesting that especially in America, in our current culture still, like with how, you know, uh, far we've come in some areas, I feel like talking about vaginas and vaginal health and like normalizing that is not that common. Oh. Um, I mean, I have certain girlfriends that I would talk to that about and some that maybe I know wouldn't feel comfortable talking to me about that. Yep. So do you have any advice like for women on ways that they can like get a little bit more comfortable with talking about it, kind of getting rid of some of that like taboo awkwardness that maybe they think other people have? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my biggest passions is I would love to remove the stigma from talking about our bodies as women and talking about the things that we go through as women, the things that we experience, because I think that a lot of it is fear that we're the only ones that are dealing with this, you know, and that, oh, if I have this thing that I don't quite understand how it works and that it's going to be different from other women and that I'm going to be perceived as weird or if I talk about it. So I think that really my biggest piece of advice is just to talk about it and it can be really awkward at first, but I think as you open up and as you allow yourself to be more vulnerable talking about it, that you'll realize that other women are dealing with the exact same things. And we all have insecurities. We all have things that affect how we feel about ourselves. And as soon as you expose that to another woman, it gives her the ability to tell you, hey, I've got something so similar to that. And I don't know what to do about it either. So I think just really just having those conversations and finding women that you feel comfortable having those conversations with is a big thing. Um, it's something that as I've gotten to know my clients, we've established that level of trust that I can't help but see as more of a friendship. You know, the, the connections that I build with women a lot of times within their 30 minute sessions become such deep connections because we're talking about such vulnerable things. And, you know, I was talking to a client yesterday about vaginal health and she's a physical therapist. And she was talking about how she's shocked at how many of her clients just don't know their bodies at all. So I think really just talking about it is the biggest thing that I can say that we could do different as a society. And you know, as a Brazilian specialist, a lot of times when people ask me, oh, what do you do for work? And this is what I tell them I do. It's like, they just go blank and they don't know how to respond and they don't know what to say. But it's like, 
I'm okay to talk about it. Any questions that you have, let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about it, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I know you just sort of brought up vaginal health, um, and I'm sure in your profession you have picked up maybe some tips or ideas. Um, you know, I think in, unfortunately, in modern society, there's still some things that are promoted to women um, to do for vaginal health that are really bad for you, actually. <laughs> so I wanted to know um, what things can we be doing to keep our vaginas healthy um, and maybe something, things to watch for, like if we notice things changing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of things that women get self-conscious about are even things that are way more normal than what they realize. Um, so I think, you know, obviously having a good relationship with your doctor is always a good first step. Um, something that you might think, oh, I've never noticed that smell before. Is that normal? Ask your doctor, you know, that's what they're there for. If you, you know, I've had women that, um, they get really concerned about the size of their labias or things that they ask me, is that normal? And it's like, well, yeah, every single vagina is different, but also like if you have any questions by any means, like feel comfortable to ask your doctor, you know, and that's what they're there for. But I think that there are a lot of things that over time women have tried to do to make their vaginas more appealing in some ways. And at the end of the day, we have to realize like it's, you know, aside from just cleansing it, like we do any other area of our body, there's nothing beyond that, that we should be doing to make it any different than what it is. It's a natural part of our body and, you know, keeping things as healthy as possible is a lot of times much simpler, I think, than what people try to make it. And also just getting really familiar with it. I think that that's also an area where a lot of women don't feel comfortable to explore. They don't even know what their vaginas look like and take a mirror to it. I actually, I put a mirror in my room recently so that you can actually see when I'm waxing you, you can see kind of what I'm seeing. And I didn't even do it intentionally. I just thought, oh, this is going to be a nice full size mirror for me to take selfies. in. <laughs> and my clients are like, Hey, what is that mirror there? Why can I see what you're doing now? And I was like, maybe that's a good thing for you to see, because I think there's a lot of women that haven't done that. They haven't sat in front of a mirror before and actually gotten to know their vagina. So they don't know if something is off. They don't know if something is, Hey, there's, you know, some funky discharge that's come in or, you know, if there's an odor coming from it, just talk to your doctor. A lot of times it's something really simple. Yeah, they are mysterious, unnecessarily so. <laughs> they are complex. I wonder like how many times, I don't know, a, a week, a month, women Google like vagina and then whatever <laughs> issue. I'm saying issue in air quotes. Yeah. I feel like I'm Googling things constantly. So. Yeah. <laughs> they are very mysterious. They, everyone's is different. Um, there was something that my previous owner used to say where I used to work all the time. And it was that two or a vagina is like a snowflake. There are never two that are the same. 
<laughs> yeah, that seems pretty right to me, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so uh, besides obviously, you know, keeping things healthy, um, do you have any tips for post-waxing? I know. I'm or pre-waxing sure, also. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are like, maybe I would get a Brazilian, but it seems like it would really hurt or be scary. Like it's a big yeah. commitment. Like what would you, what kind of advice or uh, myths can you bust for us? <laughs> well, the first myth that I can bust is that a Brazilian wax is the most painful thing that you'll ever experience. It's definitely not as bad as what a lot of people anticipate that it's going to be. Um, what I always tell people is the first time can be a little more uncomfortable just because you don't know what to expect. Your skin hasn't experienced that kind of shock before. Um, so the first time is probably one of the hardest times, but once you get past that, it gets much easier every time. Um, Pre-wax as far as tips before your wax that you can do moisturize the skin and exfoliate the skin just the same as you would any other area of your body. It's interesting how people forget that that is also an area of your skin that you need to take care of, just like your face, just like your legs, anything else. So the healthier the skin, the better that it is for waxing. Um, and then you can always take ibuprofen before your appointments to help with any inflammation um, and pain. It will help to reduce pain as well. You can avoid caffeine the day of your appointment and that helps with that as uh, the pain reduction as well. And as far as post-wax, uh, there's pretty specific instructions that I always give clients. And one of the biggest ones is to avoid sweating because what happens when you wax is that you're opening up your follicles. And so when you open up the follicles, they stay open for about 48 hours after your wax. So any sweat or bacteria that gets into those follicles are going to cause infected follicles. And that's what I think a lot of women have experienced if they have tried waxing is that they get irritation afterwards and it scares them away from ever doing it again. Yeah. Um, that's really great advice. I think uh, hopefully this episode will encourage some of our listeners to give it a try. I hope um, so. Yeah, absolutely. So Katie and I did a little bit of digging around on your website and yes, um, mm. your mom, which is really cool. And uh, I just didn't wanted to know how does, um, you know, being a, a mom that owns her own business? Like how does that play into your business decisions? Oh my gosh, it has such a huge effect on how I run my business. Um, one of the whole motivations for opening my own business was to create flexibility in my job and to have control over my own schedule and so that I could establish that relationship with my clients so that they know that's my priority at the end of the day. Um, I think, you know, it's something I've talked about with a lot of people before that we're kind of living in this hustler culture where if you aren't working 70 hours a week and selling your soul to your job, that you're doing something wrong. And one of the biggest things that I'm trying to do different with starting my own business is that I have a lot of boundaries around when I take clients and 
when I answer business related phone calls and text messages, I try to really develop a distinction between being at home and being present with my son versus being at work. And it's not easy because, you know, when you're running your own business, every phone call that you ignore is a potential client, is potential money that you can be bringing in. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the whole reason why I'm doing this and why I started my own business is so that I can have those times with my son that are really important so that I can pick him up from school, that I can drop him off at school so that I can be at home in the evenings doing homework with him. And it's really hard as a single mom, you know, to find that balance. But I think that when your priorities are in the right place, things will manifest themselves, that they will come to you. And so I just kind of try to keep that focus at all times that, okay, my son and my family comes first and work comes second. I think that's really great and incredible. I think a lot of women struggle with the balance between work and personal life and, you know, feel some guilt. Um, and I think like, like you were saying, that's just built into <laughs> how we operate these days. So yeah. I commend you for, you know, setting up those boundaries and, and making sure that, you know, you're, you're able to be show up in both parts of your life. I think that's great. I think the interesting thing about uh, starting your own business is a lot of times when you have those boundaries in place, those are the kind of clients and customers that you attract or people that respect that and people that have similar priorities and boundaries as well. So, you know, the more honest and upfront that you can be as to where your expectations are and kind of what your boundaries are, the more people will respect them. And the people that don't, they're not meant to be as clients. So I think that's a really appreciate healthy that. way of looking at it. Like a healthy yeah. look. Um, I want to talk just a bit about starting your own business. We kind of circled back to that. Let's mm -hmm. say someone is maybe listening to this and they're like, inspired, they're going to go out on their own. Maybe they've been thinking about it for a while, but they just don't know like what is even the first step that you take. Do you have any ad advice for them? I, I mean, to be honest, like I said before, being a business owner was never something that I really had even prepared myself for or given much thought to. So for me and maybe for people that are like me, my piece of advice would be to just do it. You can't, I, you know, for people like me, you can't overthink it because if you overthink it, it will stop you from doing it. And if you are trying to get all of your ducks in a row, it's never going to happen. There's never going to be the right time to do it. So for me, it was putting myself in a position where I had no choice, but to do that. I, quit my job without any sort of backup plan. So then it was like, okay, here I am, you know, up Schitt's Creek without a paddle. What am I going to do? So that was how I had to just start my own business. And I definitely think that there are things that, you know, you should consider and think about beforehand. Like, okay, where are you going to, you know, your location, where are you going to open up shop? And what is going to be your 
um, your focus with it, where it's, what's your approach with it? What are your priorities with it? And talk to other people. I think that's another big thing. I'm big on talking. We did already establish that, but <laughs> talk to other small business owners, talk to other women and get their perspectives, get their, you know, pros and cons, the things that were challenging for them. Um, I think that there's a lot that we can learn from one another when it comes to the things that we've experienced firsthand. Absolutely. So before we move into our uh, final segment, uh, are there any um, socials that you'd like to uh, promote? Any upcoming um, things going on for you that our listeners uh, might like be interested website. in? Um, yeah, how they can get yeah. a hold of you. Yeah, so Instagram is a work in progress. Um, but I am Studio V, as in vagina, Studio V Waxing on Instagram. Um, I will be the first to admit that I am not super present on social media as far as from my business goes. Um, that's still something I'm trying to figure out is how much of my time I want to dedicate to social media with my business. Uh, I know it's a huge opportunity, but I also have thoughts on, you know, promoting your business on social media and whether or not I, it drives for me or not, but I am there. If you look me up, you can follow me. Um, but my website, uh, is actually, I work out of a salon loft location. So it's a salon loft website. So, uh, www.salonlofts.com backslash Emily underscore Hyde, I believe is my website. <laughs> so uh, you can go there and there's a lot of really good information for um, first time Brazilians. You know, even if Brazilians aren't your thing, if there's other waxing that you wanna do, I do it all anyway. So you can um, get lots of good information and descriptions on each individual wax there. And I always encourage people to DM me on Instagram if they have any questions and they don't want to post it in any sort of public manner, they can always DM me on Instagram and I'm happy to talk anything that they uh, are curious about. Great. Awesome. So Katie and I were talking a couple days ago and we realized <laughs> that there are so many nicknames for vagina compared oh gosh, to so most of which are very cringeworthy. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. to me, just call it a vagina. <laughs> Anyways, Absolutely. It's, it's interesting that there's like way, way less nicknames for penises, right? There's like True. penis dick. I think that's it. I don't know. I'm sure there's others, but there's way less. What do you have any like theories as to why that is? I have my own theory. Yeah, we were trying to I think about it. That is interesting. I have never thought about it before, but I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of shame that comes with women's bodies and, and, you know, people aren't comfortable calling it a vagina. And so they have to come up with these nicknames for it. And a lot of the nicknames, I mean, I love tacos, but like taco <laughs> is a common nickname for a vagina. I don't, they're not a lot of positive associations, you know? 
Absolutely. And I'm, what's your theory? My theory, uh, definitely on the same vein. It's like Mm -hmm. people think that vagina is such this like taboo word that it's easier for them to come up with names to make it easier for people to like process and talk about, even though I find, (laughs) I find the nicknames to be, um, you know, disrespectful in some cases and unflattering (laughs) as well. Um, and it just feels like a, another thing that, you know, women are not equal to with men, like with the, the shame associated with, yeah, absolutely. Your, your femininity and your sexuality. Yeah, sure. it probably doesn't help that like most people, I don't know about most people, but like a significant number, I'm sure you can find the statistics somewhere, like don't know what the parts of a vagina are. You know, like, I, or then, the, I mean, the number of people <laughs> who think that the, like, what is it? The urethra? Is that the pee mm-hmm. hole? Yeah, the pee hole. hole. They think it's the same thing. They're two separate holes, people. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of women don't know that they have three holes. Women don't even know. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Yep. Blows my mind. Also, not shaming anyone if you don't know that. This is an education. It's a failing yes. It's a failing of the education. I didn't know (laughs) the anatomy of a vagina until I was in school for this. And it was actually really interesting because um, this is a funny story, but in school, like I said, we didn't do Brazilian waxing, but we had to have a demo. So we basically had to watch our instructor perform a Brazilian on somebody else. And it was getting down to crunch time and she didn't have anyone that was comfortable getting waxed. And I was kind of on her ass because it was, you know, I was anticipating this is what I was gonna go into. So I definitely wanted to see this demo. And she said, well, if I can't find anyone that's comfortable doing it, I'm not going to be able to do it. And I said, well, why don't you just do it on me and at least give the other girls in the class the chance to see it? So I got a Brazilian wax in front of 15 other girls. (laughs) And it was definitely the most liberating thing. But what was interesting was that there were a couple of women in the class and English wasn't their first language. So she was using terms like labia minora and labia majora and they're like hold on a second we don't know what you're talking about when you're using these terms and there were a lot of women that english was their first language and they were like yeah we don't even know what you're talking about (laughs) so she did a full-on anatomy lesson using me as her model but (laughs) Showing the other women, this is what it is. This is when you're talking about the outer lips, this is the outer lips. And when you're talking about the inner lips, this is what it is. So it was really interesting to hear so many women that, and I'm sure that that's not uncommon. Health classes don't do us justice. (laughs) No, definitely not. Um, Okay, so Katie and I did some research. (laughs) Yeah, intense (laughs) research. Yeah, and we found 10 nicknames. And I think what we'll have you do is we'll just um, have you tell us your, a few that stand out to you as being the worst, maybe. 
Yeah, we have 10 total that we listed. Yeah. Okay. So it's not an exhaustive wait. list. There, We know there are many more, but yeah. okay. these, are, these are the 10. Okay, ready? <clears throat> I'm ready. Okay. The JJ is the first one. Classic. Fanny. Good one. Fanny. The British, British one. Twat. Uh-huh. Okay. Twat. Twat's one of my favorites. <laughs> I feel like Twat is also kind of British. Is that, am I wrong? It's, it's, it sounds British. I think I they like- I picture it with a British accent. Twat. Yeah. Twat. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, um, Twat Waffle? <laughs> see, there you go. There you go. Uh, free box. Oh, yeah. I know. Uh, vagine, which yeah. is like pretty close to vagina. So I feel like that yeah. has like a few bonus points because it's basically. I don't hate vagine. Vagine isn't one of the worst of them. Beaver muff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Um, yeah. lady, lady garden. Honestly, oh. lady garden, as like nice as it sounds, I feel like it's like pretty detrimental because it's like you're saying this like soft fluffy thing instead of uh-huh. just like normalizing well, it goes with the whole like deflowering like, thing i was just gonna say it takes you yeah. back to like eighth grade when men would talk about deflowering a woman like yeah just negative connotation with the garden mm-hmm. <laughs> metaphor okay the next one is coochie mm, i'm not big Wait. on coochie yeah i don't love it Lady business. (laughs) Um, And finally, we have Snatch. Snatch is a weird one. I never understood Mm -hmm. Snatch, but my brother had a cat named Snatch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So of these, do you have a favorite or a least favorite? Oh. Or any that we didn't mention? I don't know that it's appropriate, but I do like twat. It's just a word that I like to use. I don't use it in a professional sense by any means. Of course. <laughs> but, you know, when I'm referring to my own, I don't know. Twat. That one's not like, so bad. <laughs> it's not. Not like beaver muff. Yeah, the furry box. Ugh. Yeah. Um, you know what? To each their own. It's your vagina. You can call it whatever you want, right? Whatever you're comfortable calling it, that yeah. is fine with me. And if you don't have one, then you should probably just stick to vagina. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. That's maybe. Could yeah. be a rule I like of thumb. that as a general rule of thumb. <laughs> if you don't have one, it's vagina. Well, on that note, Emily, thank you so much for joining us. We had a great time. I learned a ton. Um, Make sure you uh, check out Emily's website and message her on Instagram if you have any questions. Um, Thank you for for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Girls Just Wanna. If you've made it this far, we consider you a close and personal friend. So we hope you'll subscribe and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And follow us at GJW Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.